From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good morning to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Great to have you with us as we kick off our 2013 season. And we're uh, very privileged to uh, welcome for our new season our new co-host, Chris Whitler. Hey, hey. Yeah, great to have you with us, Chris. It's Chris, good to be here. Uh, with the Youth with a Mission for many, many years and uh, also an associate pastor down at uh, New Hope Church and um, all around all around Kingdom Builder. We, we met many years ago and, and, uh, started working together, Chris, as, as you were ministering to people on South 9th Street. And, and now we have the privilege also of having you on our board here at Advancing Vibrant Communities. So great to have you in a new role here yes. as our, uh, co-host as well. And of course, uh, with us as well is our parent assessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey with us. And in just a f- few moments, we'll introduce to you Debbie Johnson as uh, we take the cover off an insidious thing that's going on in our community. And my guess is probably in yours as well. We're going to look at the signs, how you can detect it's happening, and then most importantly, what we can do about it through uh, awareness, prayer, and taking some action. We'll be introducing uh, Debbie Johnson to you in uh, just a few moments. A couple of uh, notes here coming up on April 10 here at the Gallo Center in the Modesto area, a wonderful wonderful production of C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. I love that book. That is I, I absolutely, I think, uh, Chris, it's probably from the creative mind of C.S. Lewis, it, it's probably one of the best, in fictional, but one of the best descriptions of how spiritual warfare happens and and how believers get attacked. Yeah. It is just absolutely incredible. I, I love the book and Isn't it uh, great? just the opportunity to be able to to uh see it performed live, to see uh to see it acted out, it's going to be good. And I think Max McLean is uh one of the producers or at least one of the directors on it. So it's going to be absolutely incredible. ABC has a, a couple of seats that we've reserved and actually you get uh, $5 off. Uh, the tickets uh, that we have are normally $39 a piece and, uh, we can, uh, arrange for them at $34 a piece if you would like to join us. We have a small, uh, block re, uh, reserved at that discount rate. Again, that's April 10, the screw tape letters here in Modesto. If you're interested in joining us, our number is 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Also, if you are a nonprofit ministry or you're a congregation, uh, in town or even out of town, there is a fantastic resource called Meet the Need. It is an internet-based 
Volunteer and Event Management System. We are now using it exclusively here at Advancing Vibrant Communities to manage our volunteers. You know, we get uh, sometimes 60 to 70 new calls for service a week, and it's an Internet-based way to connect the body of Christ with opportunities to serve. And the best thing about it is it's free. And so if you are a uh, nonprofit ministry or you're a, a church, uh, we would love to introduce you to that. We'll be doing a, a personal introduction to it on uh, Wednesday, April 24th from 7 to 8 in the morning in Modesto. And if you would like to uh, have your uh, church or your ministry involved again, you can you can have ABC's opportunities to serve or not. You are in total control. Maybe you just want to manage your own volunteers and let people know about uh, volunteer opportunities. However you want to use it, is it is a powerful resource. Again, uh, that seminar we're going to be holding is one hour, April 24th, from 7 to 8 in the morning. Again, give us a call if you'd like to attend. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, How much does it cost to attend the that seminar? That is zero dollars to so, attend the seminar. Free, free, F-E-R-E-E. So a free training for a free, free service. Resource. Here yeah. at ABC, we pass the savings <laughs> on to you. <laughs> Right? <laughs> hey, give us a call again. We'd love to connect you with that. 209-544-9571. 209-544-9571. And actually, the practitioners that actually use this are going to be there. A couple of them are in our studio right now. Janetta Ferguson, uh, one of our service uh, coordinators, and also Beverly Ballum with us today. And uh, Brenda Lopomi, our new office manager, is uh, holding down the front office at the, at the moment out there. And they will be on hand to uh, actually show you how this thing works. It is absolutely incredible. A couple of years ago, Chris, we, we designed a proposal for this kind of thing. Yeah. It was going to cost upwards of a quarter of a million dollars. And, of course, my board... A quarter of a million. That's not free. That's not free. And, and, and the board said, Mike, you know you've, you've been sniffing exhaust fumes or something. We, we, we just can't do that. And, uh, but uh, and as God would have it, this technology was in five years in development at, at that point. This technology was 10 years in development, a million dollars behind it. And it is absolutely the Rolls Royce or the Maserati or the Corvette, depending on your, your taste, of, uh, of volunteer management systems. So anyway, if you're interested, uh, give us a call. Remember, our website as well is www.vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org. Before we go on and introduce you to Debbie, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, this is Toby Mack with another story of a real-life Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. When she was 14, Eva Abdullah welcomed Christ into her life. Her Muslim parents disowned her. For three years, radicals from her hometown of Bogomoyo on the coast of Tanzania threatened, lured, and begged her to give up her new faith. She refused. This past summer, Eva was arrested after radicals falsely accused her of urinating on the Koran, Islam's holy book. Afraid of retribution by Muslim authorities in the district, local Christian leaders would not speak up in her defense. Please pray for a fresh wind of strength and courage for Eva and all Christian leaders in Tanzania. For more from VOM, go online to persecution.com. Back with you live here on Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Great to have you with us again. 
Uh, again, our pleasure today to introduce you to Debbie Johnson. And Debbie, we, we met many moons ago, uh, as you were working with our, our brother Chuck Cutsinger at Nineveh Ministries. Uh, and, uh, it's now the house. Right. Yes, uh, there no, is a name change there. A name change, and uh, ju- just a wonderful ministry. And and uh, Debbie was working at the time, and, and always has had, uh, as as we've known her, a great passion for serving the community. And God uh, gave you a new opportunity here not too long ago. Before we get into how God led you into that, Debbie, let's talk about this insidious thing that's happening right now in our midst. Let's blow the cover on it. Let uh, cover off of it. Let people know. What's going on and, uh, and, and, and what the body of Christ can do to respond to it. Well, thanks for having me. It's a joy to be in this seat again. Um, well, the, we're here to talk about human trafficking and the reality is that most Americans perceive human trafficking as a third world issue and it's not. It's an American issue. And so in 2000, the federal government enacted the Trafficking in Persons, uh, Act under the pressure of the United Nations. Um, because this is a global recognized issue, the UN kind of oversees what nations are doing to combat trafficking. And up until the year 2000, the United States of America was getting an F really? um, on what we were doing for this human rights issue. And it was under that pressure that they actually created that act in 2000. And the state of California didn't have uh, a law for hum- against human trafficking until the year 2005. And so that's why you see an upsurge of this issue and awareness and organizations like myself that are talking about it because it's here in the United States of America. We have human trafficking cases in all 50 states. Um, we have uh, international victims being brought into our country on a yearly basis, uh, estimating at 18,000 victims every year. Mm. Um, you bring it home, California is one of the top four destination states in the country for victims to be brought to us. Um, uh, I-5 is a main artery for moving trafficking victims up and down our state. Uh, the U.S. State Department said in the year 2004 that sex trafficking, the sale of our children, not internationals, our children is the second largest illegal industry in our nation, wow. second only to guns and drugs. Well, Estimate. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. I mean, some of your your friends from YWAM yeah. have uh, been in Thailand and Burma, and I know we've talked to them, and and we we see human trafficking there. Didn't know that we had such a problem right here in River City, right. so to speak. Um, Debbie, when we when we talk about human trafficking specifically, what are we talking about? Well, it, tra- human trafficking falls into three categories, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, and domestic trafficking. Without permission exists for and focuses solely on the area of sex trafficking because the majority of what we see is, is sex trafficking in the United States. We definitely have labor trafficking. We definitely have domestic trafficking. But our focus and um, the epidemic in our nation is the sex trafficking of young children and women. Now, when you say domestic trafficking, is that... Uh, Housekeepers, house, housekeepers those type types of, thing? of things, yes. Girls are brought over the borders and they're used as slave labor. One of the first, first cases as I began to research the American issue that I read about was an eight-year-old Egyptian girl that was bought from her parents by two very affluent um 
people in Orange County, doctors, husband and wife, three children, and they bought an eight-year-old Egyptian girl, kept her in the garage. She slept on a dog's bed, mm. and she was the housekeeper and took care of the children. And she was enslaved for about 16 months before a neighbor finally pieced this little girl doesn't go to school. They don't see her out playing, and and she was rescued that way. And these are, I mean, Orange County is a very affluent, affluent area. area. And these yes. were doctors. Yes, isn't that amazing? Yes, yeah. What, I, I she think was it's such a shock to people to find, like, you know, we think of slavery as something that's been abolished. Yes, right mm. in our country, it's something that. Uh, belongs to a long gone era, mm -hmm. but it's alive and well. Absolutely. 1865, I think that we th thought we had eradicated, uh, human traffic or uh, slavery, but you have to put it to, we have, we did not write another law. We didn't think about it again until 2000. Wow. Wow. Literally that gap. We all have just gone silent, which was, a, has allowed the enemy to operate here in our backyard undetected, no one looking for him. The church has turned a blind eye to it, especially because of the sexual parameters uh, uh, root of it. The church always turns a blind eye when we talk about sexual issues, right. whether it's, it's homosexuality, right. adultery, fornication. We're just saying no, stay pure. And that has allowed this issue because the church has gone silent. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that some of these, as in the case of the Egyptian girl, are brought in from other shores or across the border. But you also mentioned that there's some indigenous mm -hmm. things. Happen. Let's talk about that. Yeah. What are they looking? What, what kind of profile are these vultures looking for when, when they enslave these young, yeah. young kids? Um, that's what we exist for. Um, the United States of America is our mission field. Um, the FBI works in our FBI out of Fresno works with more, we call them domestics versus international. So most of the cases are domestic. They're not international, but all of the laws that exist for trafficking victims up until 2000 were for international victims. We hadn't even considered that we were, would, you know, we have more rights for a girl rescued out of sex trafficking as an international victim than we would have if it was one of our daughters sitting in this room that got rescued. And so we have a huge uphill climb. But when it comes to the predators, um, there are no uh, cultural boundaries. The predators are not black or Caucasian or Hispanic or Latino or Asian. They cross every cultural boundary. The predators are not just males. They are male and female. We have mothers trafficking their daughters to pay for their drug habits. Wow. We have biological sisters trafficking their younger siblings. Um, it knows no socioeconomic boundaries. It's not just the gangbangers on one side of town. Like I said, we have affluent doctors. We have sisters, mothers. Uh, it is just infiltrated any area. Uh, the predators are not just, uh, you know, uneducated prison uh, parolees. These, these predators are getting law degrees. Uh, at UNLV, they're getting finance degrees to manage their empires and to stay ahead of um, what law enforcement knows or how they would respond to what we still have legislated as a misdemeanor crime. Is is the level of education one of the reasons why it's been below the radar Absolutely. screen? They just Absolutely. they just know how to to keep Absolutely. it hidden. And, the predators are are networked. They are connected across our nation. They are leaps and bounds ahead of law enforcement. I just finished training our CHP two days ago. Uh, we have trained the entire Modesto Police Department. We have trained our uh, county service agencies. I just was at Stan State last night, did two trainings of almost 60 
new school teachers that will be hitting the campuses in the next couple of weeks. And so educating and equipping and empowering um, our law enforcement and leadership to come at this thing so that we can get ahead of the curve. It is the advent of the Internet that has caused this thing, Mike, to explode. Is is that where people find the resource? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Gone is the day. Two things. Gone is the day where a purchaser would cruise the street, find someone, get a chance of being seen by a wife or law enforcement. Everything is done on the Internet today. There are mm. websites where you literally it's listed anywhere, your home or a hotel within an hour. So for a generation um, that has passed, dad used to go to the front door, lock it, turn out the porch light, pat all the kids on the head and say, my family's home and we're safe. That day is gone. Dad can do that today. And there's a predator sitting with his daughter on her iPhone or in the bedroom with his son on the computer. That's how it works today. Chris, you've seen some of this happen in, in your ministries down in uh, South Ninth Street. Uh, what 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 are you picking up, and as far as uh, the street goes, and and some of the things that that you're looking for, maybe as uh, as you're ministering to the folks down there. Well, I mean, the thing that comes to mind, like you're talking about, how. Uh, you know, how savvy the networks are and, and it's easy to get overwhelmed. I think sometimes when you, when you're trying to understand, uh, and you start to hear how things operate, you know, like the, the fact that, that the operation on South Ninth Street comes from orders that are given from very far away and from very nice homes in other cities. Mm. You know, the things that are happening right here in our community, are controlled by such a larger network. And, and what, what came to mind is you were talking, you were saying these networks are so savvy and it's time for us to be networked right. and savvy as well. Mm. You know, Absolutely. it's time for the body of Christ, uh, to, to rise up, to talk about these things, to get aware, uh, to know what to look for mm-hmm. and, uh, to be on it. My sense, Debbie, is we're not talking about a rare occurrence here in, in our county. We're talking about something that's, happening often. Yeah. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, California has 200,000 homeless youth on the streets right now as we're having this radio program between the ages of 12 and 17. 70% of those homeless youth, 70% will be victims of sexual exploitation. Mm. Um, that gives you just an idea of the runaways, the throwaways, those types of things. But when it comes into uh, hard numbers for us, because this is such an underreported crime, we haven't been looking for it or anything like it's hard for us to do that. So I can tell you what without permission has experienced in the last 15 months. We've served 18 survivors of sex trafficking in the last 15 months, and every single one of them were trafficked here in Stanislaus County. Um, 50% of the girls that we served... Um, um, 70% of them were under the age of 18, 18 or younger, 70% of them. 100% of them uh, were experienced threatened uh, life threats, uh, beatings, or choking. So part of the control is the torture that they endure. 20% of the girls that we served were mothers. Um, so that gives you a little bit of an idea of the picture um, of what we are dealing with. When we uh, started this, when God called us to do this, um, and we were working this process in 2010 in the Modesto B. We had three different attempted abductions, uh, reported in the Modesto B. All three of them around our local schools, Davis High School, 
Elliott High School, and Savage Junior High. All three of them were right after school, broad daylight, 3 o'clock. All three of the girls fit the entry age for sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. which is 11 to 14 years old. And so we weren't looking for it. And so when you read those stories, and I did, and it was how the Lord was putting together the case that I could present to our county's leadership, um, we didn't use the lens of human trafficking. So when we're looking at this case, we're just celebrating that she didn't get abducted, right. but we're not asking why. Uh, sure. And so it's it's here. We are told that Alameda County, right over the hill, 70 minutes from us, is one of the most violent um wicked predator source of predators there traffickers across the nation uh, i'll quote a young man whose name is chris bachman he's the author and a, a vice detective out of las vegas and he's doing amazing work in this arena there in vegas when he came we brought him out to do some training for us he said i quote debbie you live next door to hell in regards to alameda county it is known that they produce the most violent perpetrators, traffickers in our nation. And so we're that close and they come over the hill and they shop for our girls at the Vintage Fair Mall, um, at uh, our concerts and our nightclubs uh, and on our high school campuses. And so it's a highly networked, high, networked, sophisticated. But the good news is that God has heard the cries of the oppressed, mm-hmm. um, that he has given us a strategic plan that we in Stanislaus County um, are so collaborated and so connected. We sit on a task force that was created by our assistant district attorney, our district attorney, and led by the assistant district attorney, Carol Shipley. And we have everyone, SOPD, uh, Child Protective Services, Haven, um, every service providers, Family Justice Center. We sit at a table every month and we strategically plan how to eradicate sex trafficking in our communities. And that's not happening everywhere, Mike. And so God's really favored us. Debbie, what, what do you tell law enforcement? Uh, you know, as an ex cop, I mean, I wasn't okay. aware of all this. Okay. Uh, what, what do you tell them as they're out there looking on the streets, the detectives, as they're working cases, they may be seeing it, but not seeing it. How, how do you introduce this to them? What do you tell them to look for? Well, we, when we train them, we train them that we need a paradigm shift, that maybe we need to change our mindset as a culture. What we used to call a child prostitute, there is no such thing according to state and federal law. Mm-hmm. Any child involved in a commercial sex act under the age of 18 is a victim of human trafficking, number one. So we have to change our mindset. Then we educate them on what they go through. What, some of the things these girls endure is what is called branding and seasoning. So they are beaten, they're gang raped, they're tortured, they're threatened, they're choked, and then they're indoctrinated with what law enforcement will do, that they're a criminal, that they can't go home, that if they go home, they're going to post all the pictures on the social media network so they'll be shamed. Um, and then what happens is, up until now, when law enforcement engages one of these survivors, they're doing exactly what the predators have told victims they would do. Mm. So we're reinforcing that the pimp trafficker knows everything and he's right. And so a victim sits in front of our first responders, the great heroes that they are, and they're just reinforcing what our victims have been indoctrinated with. And so we have to change our approach to potential victims. And we had a really great opportunity this uh, to make the point in December. We had a, a victim 
who was kidnapped out of state, brought to our city, was able to get a text out um, to her parents, and they forwarded it to our local MPD. When our PD got that text, they knew because without permission had trained them mm. what they were looking at. Where two years ago, they would have went to a motel and, and arrested two prostitutes. Mm. This time in December, they went to a motel and rescued two victims of sex trafficking. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to help them get that girl home, one of the girls home to her family. So you're looking for... um for law enforcement, the number one and anyone, first responders are school teachers, first responders are foster care workers, first responders are social workers, stand works workers, first responders are pastors and youth pastors. We have to educate the church. We're praying for people and we have no sense of the trauma that they've endured or what they're going through. Um, and But the number one thing for our survivors is safety, 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 safety. You cannot make them safe enough until they can then begin to tell their story. Now, you have a method for providing that safety now. Talk to us about that. We do. It's really exciting. Um, We have two components that God has given us that are um, part of our community. Ah, why we're here. And one of them is called Navigators. And so the, the mission of Without Permission is to empower the local church body not the building that we all go worship in, but to empower the local church body to engage human trafficking through well-trained, well-funded, and mobilized volunteers. And so what we do, one of those pieces is called navigators. And so we train volunteers. um, They go through 20 hours of training through Seek and Safety. They pay um, a a large sum of money, $100, to go through that training. They go through background checks, interviews, and we prepare them. Um, so that when a girl is rescued by our first responders, we then are, respond. They call us. And so probation calls us. PD calls us. Uh, we just got a call from the DA's office this week for a potential victim. And so now we partner with law enforcement and we come and Mike, you being a former, you'll understand where I'm coming from. Once they've got the case, they're ready to go to work and develop and build this case so they can put a predator behind bars, but they have this victim mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to do with her. And I said, what, how do we help? We came to serve. How do we help? And they said, take care of her. So that's where the navigators come from. We then take the victim and we begin to navigate her through our county resources. If she's staying local, um, we, we county, we resource shelter. Um, uh, we've relocated two survivors and a family out of the state, um, for their safety, um, to get them back home. But we have a shelter. It's called the justice house. It's actually a home. It is not a sheltered. It is a home. We have it. It's ready. The beds are in. The blankets are on. The lights are on. Um, we just need $48,000 to open the doors. And that is in our annual budget. That's just what we have committed as a board and a team to have in the bank before we flip the door open. And so the FBI is toured. They're just chomping at the bit to place girls. Awesome. Um, we have a potential victim right now that could be placed if the house was open. But then we have other relationships with amazing organizations like New Day for Children, 
which is over the hill and it's a boarding school for victims of sex trafficking. Uh, wow. The Dream Center in LA, mm-hmm. we've tra- uh, worked with them, Courage to Be You in Sacramento. And so we're all about what you are, Mike, collaborating, networking, and getting the resources around human trafficking um, there. And so that's what we do. We work with the Family Justice Center and getting restraining orders and getting the, you know, com- oh, they work with the DA's office and the advocacy there, mental health, um, if we, we've used Haven before. And so we are now um, working with the Family Justice Center as the human trafficking arm of our wonderful organization, the Family Justice Center. Are you doing right now... Um Active fundraising for that $48,000? We actively are fundraising. <laughs> Woo! 52% of our budget last year all came through fundraising. Okay. We do not take state or federal funding. It's, it is not our goal 100% because it is our passion to earn the privilege of sitting in front of these girls and giving them Jesus. Mm. We know that we know that we know that the torture, Mike, they say that these girls come, every one of them has post-traumatic stress disorder beyond the level of our veterans. Mm -hmm. And so we know that without Christ, she has no hope of restoration and reintegrating back into our communities, being a healthy mom. Like I said, 20% of our girls were moms. And so we just don't want to take a chance of somewhere down the line, either the funds not being there and or someone telling us that we can no longer bring Christ into the picture. Well, isn't this what the church is supposed to be doing? Amen. I always say, yeah, I always say, I just want to give God an opportunity to show off, right? His streets are are paved with gold. I think you can pay for some light bills. Well, listen, I'm I'm sure if you're, if you're listening right now, either live or on the, uh, on the archive broadcast, you, you're going, all right, how do we find out more details? They have a wonderful website, wonderful website. It's withoutpermission.org withoutpermission.org and uh Debbie by phone what's the best way for folks to uh, to get a hold of you and learn um, more trick question uh 209-338-0500 those are our office hours Monday through Thursday we are 100% volunteer staffed um so uh, Monday through Thursday uh 209-338-0500 um, and that's just for the general public questions. Let me just throw this out if I may. If sure. you think that what you are, you see someone being sex trafficked, if you think that you're watching something happen, you call Crime Stoppers. Call, you can, you can Google Crime Stoppers in your area. Most areas have that program. Uh, but here in Stanislaus County, call Crime Stoppers and give those tips. I'm in sitting in Starbucks. I saw a girl get in a car. Here's the license plate. Mm-hmm. Do nothing to intervene. This is a mm-hmm. highly, highly criminal, uh, dangerous uh, arena. Two, if you're in an emergency situation and something's happening, call 911, tell them what you see, but never engage yourself in the middle of this crime because it is dangerous and law enforcement knows what to do. So Crime Stoppers to give your tips or 911 if you feel like you see something happening. Uh, Debbie, how did, and by the way, you just see the enemy's talons Absolutely. in this, isn't it? I mean, this is one of, one of his most horrible schemes, mm-hmm. I think. How did God bring you into this <laughs> ministry, how, how did he give you this calling to to uh, to be the point person for this charge? He tricked me, Mike. He tricked me. <laughs> you know, I'm sure every Christian, every Christian has those moments in your walk with Christ when you uh, tell God, "Okay, I'll do whatever you say, but we're never going to do this, God. We're not going to talk about this in public." You know, as God is cleaning us up. And so, um, I am not a victim of sex trafficking, but I definitely have a very um, promiscuous, perverted past. 
And so I didn't get saved until I was 18. And so in 2007, I was the women's pastor at Calvary Temple, now the house. And I'd taken a group of ladies to a women's event with 400 women for a luncheon. And a woman took the podium. She was doing a ministry. She is doing a ministry called God, God for Girls in Mexico. And she shared that American corporations hire child labor and buses go from community to community and fill up the buses with children and they go and drop these kids off. Well, sex traffickers have paid the bus drivers to let the boys off and not the girls. Mm. And she goes on to tell that these girls are taken to undisclosed areas and used in child pornography. And then they're sold into sex trafficking. When they're finished with them, they suffocate them and bury them in mass graves. Mm. I walked out of that lunch. I couldn't process what I was hearing. I just, Mm. I'd never heard it before. And I just, it was so debased and so evil that I couldn't process. And then my mind instantly went to the mom in a village who put her little girl on the bus that morning. And when the bus came back, Mm. her little girl didn't get off. And so that's how God grabbed my heart. I began to research and pray and like, what do I do with this? God, boy, you just really dropped a big one on me. And I found out it was right here in America and it was happening here. And I I couldn't, I'm a patriot. I mean, I cry in Hallmark commercials. Every time the flag waves, I cry. Um, I'm just, I love this country and God said, I've called you to America. This is your mission field. And he gave me the blueprint for without permission. And I spent about two years sharing it with the staff and what was happening in America. It took me two years to bring my peers and and mentors along to buy into that this was happening. 50% of the men in our churches today are addicted to pornography. This is not a new crime, Mike. This has been going on for decades. I'm sitting with a beautiful 25-year-old woman right now who's been married for seven years. She's got a three-year-old. She is sitting in a wonderful, healthy church in our city, and she was sex trafficked at the age of five. And so when we're ministering to the body of Christ, the pulpit has to understand the depth of the depravity of what the parishioners have endured and what they need the word and the healing and what's going on in their lives. I'll do youth meetings. And I mean, the altars will flood with young boys addicted to pornography. And these are girls in our youth groups who are sending and texting pictures of themselves indecently dressed to boyfriends that are telling them, if you love me, you'll send me these pictures. Um, it, it's, we as a church have to wake up. And so that's the mission that God has given me to create a working model for the local church that wants to, because not every church wants to battle this evil. But for those that this fits the mission of the pastor, we come underneath and along the side of that pastor and say, here's how you do this type of ministry. And so we want to serve your vision. We want to serve your church by serving the community, by attacking human trafficking. I would imagine that one of the major obstacles is just recognition that there's a problem and just awareness, right? Yeah, it it was at first. I mean, when we first started talking in the city, um, we don't have that problem here, Debbie. We Mm -hmm. don't have that issue. And I had law enforcement on my team as we were putting this piece together. And um, so God just had to come around another back door and give me an actual case um, happened right underneath our eyes. And so... um, Yes, it, Pastor Glenn has been um, a huge support because, again, I did talk about it for two years. So it was I had to bring him and the staff and my peers along. But once they it clicked, 
um, Pastor Glenn just didn't look back. He said, Debbie, go do what God's called you to do. And the house houses the organization for us. I'm not on staff there any longer. I serve as a volunteer and it's my home church, but they have housed the organization so that we can do this work. And so, uh, we have, are seeing a lot of great churches. Big Valley Grace is on board. Um, uh, Harvest Christian Church is on board. We actually have a church in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Raleigh Assembly of God that has come out served with us for three days and now they're asking for us to bring without permission there. We're working on a church in Merced to have without permission Merced. So it's beginning to, to happen because we have fruit, right? Once again, friends, here's, uh, here's the contact information, area code 209-338-0500. That's 209-338-0500. Again, the website, very well done, withoutpermission.org, withoutpermission.org. Debbie, are there organizations in other areas like yours? Is there a national, uh, organization that that's helping or is it mainly many spot fires uh, throughout the nation spot uh, fire i like it isn't that amazing there's some yeah. great great organizations if you want to educate yourself i'll throw out two of them one is called the polaris project based out of washington dc go check it out they monitor the united states they help states with legislation amazing amazing faith-based as well the other one is ijm international justice mission both of them um Work closely in DC with governing officials that just do great work. It will educate yourself on what's happening in our nation. Um, there's a, a, amazing organizations in Sacramento, over 500 of them trying, doing different types of things like we are doing. Um, and there's an organization called the Grace Network and they collab, they bring them all together through social media. We don't have all those things here in Stanislaus County. Um, and I'm going to say this loosely without permission is the human trafficking organization at this moment. Sure. We are working with all of our great county resources, but right now we're really the human trafficking organization. I think as we continue to grow, some other people will, oh, there's an organization called JAG, Justice Action Group at Modesto Covenant. They do justice issues, maybe not just human trafficking. So, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm thinking this is another evidence of, of what I really believe we're gifted with, at least in this county, and that is the openness of government to work with the faith-based yes. community. We may not always have that window, but we've got one right now, yes. and, and I think you've, you've seen the benefit of that, and we just need to take advantage of that open door and, and partner as much yeah. as we can while, while the getting is good, don't you think? Yeah, there's definitely that's the, what, what you call the sweet spot where, yeah. Where there's, you know, there's things that churches are concerned with, things that the city is concerned with, and things that just people, the community are concerned with. And there's a kind of that sweet spot in the middle. There's those things that we all are concerned with. And, and, and like you're saying, it's well past time, uh, that we, we put aside the, sh the shameful feeling of talking about these things so that we can finally uh, address them together and, uh, and work on it together. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can go ahead. We're bumping the clock just so God's time is forever. Unfortunately, we got a clock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to, uh, Debbie, from your heart, what do you want to say to other pastors who may be listening and saying, whoa, had, had no idea. What would you say pastor to pastor from your heart? How do we get started here? How do we get started? Well, my heart is, um, this issue's in your church. 
And God's called you to shepherd the people that are sitting in front of you. And they need you, Pastor, to um, begin to talk about this addiction to pornography in our nation. Because it is a supply and demand issue. If men were not purchasing sex, girls would not be enslaved into sex trafficking. It's the bottom line. The entry age into pornography today for our young boys is eight years old. We are losing a generation to the perversion of the enemy of our soul. Mm -hmm. And if the church doesn't go to battle and go to this, this front lines, who will? Um, and so my heart is that the pastors would humble themselves in the presence of a holy God, that they would hear the heartbeat of God right now, because the time is now. And, and I love your analogy of a sweet spot. This is what's on the heart of God. The, the captives, uh, Job says, uh, my paraphrase that I, I put on my cloak of righteousness and my turban of justice. And I was feet to the lame and I was the father to the fatherless. And I went in and broke the fangs of the wicked and took and captured the victims out of their teeth. Mm-hmm. We have to go get these girls and, and boys because we're losing a generation. Amen. Chris, uh, could we uh, ask you to, to lead us in prayer for uh, the victims, for the, the church to be awake and vigilant and engage uh, for our community and, and especially for Debbie as uh, as she leads uh, without uh, permission. Would you mind doing that for us? Yeah, and, and wherever you are listening, just join us in, in prayer right now. Uh, God hears us. Lord, we come to you right now and uh, we agree together that this is on your heart. And uh, we can hear your heart uh, so clearly in the things that uh, Debbie has shared with us. And uh, we pray right now uh, in the name of Jesus for uh, the girls and the boys that are that are trapped in our communities. Uh, Lord, open our eyes. I pray that even even today, if there's something uh, we need to see and we can be the one to call in a tip, uh, that that we we would have our eyes open, God, that you would help us to see in our communities. God, help us to hear like you hear the yes. cry, uh, uh, the cry of the victims in our communities. Help us to to hear as well. Lord, we pray for without permission, God. We pray for this $48,000. God, that is nothing to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you would just release that and uh, let's uh, get this shelter open. And uh, Lord, we just pray for uh, all the people uh, working in this area. Uh, God, give us grace. Give us your eyes to see and uh, awaken your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, our guest has been Debbie Johnson, Without Permission. The website, again, withoutpermission.org, withoutpermission.org. Phone number, 209-338-0500. That's 209-338-0500. And if you have the means, they need about 48K <laughs> to uh, to get this shelter open or this home open for, uh, for the victims. Again, uh, Debbie Johnson, thank you so much, my sister, for being with us. And... God bless you in what you're doing, and he, uh, we know he's going to do great things, and he's going to blow the cover off of this, and we look forward expectantly yes. to what he's going to do. Thank you for joining us here on Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. <laughs>